You're listening to Puma Podcast. Before we start, I want to warn you that this story could be triggering for some audiences or even inappropriate for younger ones. Please take care of yourself and listen with caution. In the previous episode of Rasmina, the last victim. Dan selanjutnya sesuai dengan tatib We will ask all factions whether the draft law number no. 1 of 1974 on marriage can be approved to become law. Agree? For almost 50 years, the law allowed Indonesian girls to be married at 16. But thanks to the courage of child marriage survivors like Rasmina, Endang Wasrina, and Marianti, the law was revised. Now girls could grow up without fearing that they would be married off to pull their families out of poverty. Happily ever after? Sadly, no. You're listening to Rasmina, the last victim. This is the English adaptation of the investigative podcast series Disclose Dipaksa Kawin. Created by KBR Prime, Indonesia's pioneer in journalism-based podcast, this six-part podcast adaptation is produced by Puma Podcast in the Philippines and made possible by international media support. I'm your host, Malika. I just did what my mother told me to. She said, why would I continue studying anyway? And I was also ashamed to face my friends. So what else could I do? I got married. This is Neng. In 2021, two years after the marriage law was revised, she got married, even though she was only 15. And she isn't the only girl who got married, even before they were legally allowed to under the revised marriage law. In 2020, a year after the government declared that history had been made for Indonesia in raising the minimum age of marriage for girls, the religious courts were flooded with 34,000 requests for marriage dispensation. This number is three times the number of requests in 2017 before the marriage law was amended. Now what is marriage dispensation? In a sense, It is an exemption given by the court. If a child isn't old enough to marry, families can turn to the religious courts. They can apply for marriage dispensation if there are urgent matters. And getting pregnant out of wedlock is the most common among these urgent matters. A Supreme Court regulation was crafted to guide the adjudication of application for marriage dispensation after the marriage law was revised. It states that before the religious courts allow the marriage, a trial must be held. The child to be married had to be present in court so that the judge can give the child advice and explain the risk of child marriage. The judge will also be able to ask for the child's statement without the presence of his or her parents so that he or she can tell the story freely without pressure from the adults. If the child is absent for three consecutive hearings, the judge can then reject the application for marriage dispensation. Marriage dispensation is the reason Neng was able to marry Aa, a man twice her age who used to work with her father. In 
The same year they got married, government data showed that despite the amendment of the marriage law, child marriage was increasing in 18 provinces. Along with the existence of this loophole, there are no penalties for child marriage. I used to work at a factory with Nang's father. This is A'a. He is a construction worker from Bandung Regency, West Java. He often told me that he had a daughter and she was a victim of sexual violence. He was afraid that she would not have a future. I was curious about her because I went to her house before. A'a was 32 and Neng was 15. At first, I considered Neng as my own little sister. She was way too young. I wanted to help her get back to school, but Neng didn't want that. I wanted to take care of her. But how could I, when I wasn't related to her? After a while, I got to know what Neng's behavior was like at home. We texted each other or sent WhatsApp messages. I only did what my mother said. She told me that I'd been skipping school for many years. What else was I planning to do with my life? I was ashamed to meet my friends. So what did I plan to do? My mother asked. I should just get married. Neng spent her days helping her mother with the household chores, cooking, cleaning, and sometimes doing the laundry for their neighbors. By the time she and A'a met, she had already stopped going to school for four years. She had dropped out and withdrawn from her friends after being sexually assaulted. She had also become anxious and worried about her future. How was she supposed to conduct herself in public, given what had happened? Nang saw herself as a burden to her parents, a source of shame to the family. While A'a, who claimed he wanted to take care of her, began to see her. Small, light-skinned, and soft-spoken Neng as an object of attraction. After a while, my feelings for her grew. She was a sweet and nice girl. She was religious too. She had values. It wasn't long before he asked Neng to marry him. My mom, dad, and A'a told me that their intentions were good. My mom also said that marriage was in my best interest. My dad said the same thing because he was worried about seeing me like this. They're my parents. Of course they'd feel that way. They definitely wanted their children to be happy. Then A'a came along. He seemed like a good person, a responsible one. For months, Neng thought about her decision. I prayed to God. My mom and dad already did the background check on A'a, on his family, for example. We didn't want anything bad to happen in the future. It's better to have everything out in the open. My mom and dad saw A'a as a good person. He seemed serious in asking me to marry, and he seemed responsible too. So I said yes. And it seemed like Neng couldn't stress this enough. Her parents thought that it was what was best for her, so she was willing to obey them. 
It was an agonizing decision. One that Nang made after her mother kept prompting her for an answer. After spending hours praying for guidance. After doing a background check on the man who was practically a stranger. But for A'a's part, it seemed easy. We might be soulmates. Neng said yes, three or four months after A'a had first proposed. A'a told his mother the news, and she gave her blessing. The most important thing, she told him, was to get married as soon as possible. By then, A'a had grown on Neng. Here's Dwi and my other colleague, Citra Diah Prastuti, asking Neng what she thought of him. Do you like A'a? Well, he's okay. Not bad. You mean he's handsome, huh? Uh, yes. A'a is cute. A'a began to get ready for the ceremony. He went to the KUA, Kantor Urusan Agama, or the Religious Affairs Office, which is a state office that legalizes civil affairs for Indonesian Muslims. The KUA covers marriage, divorce, and inheritance. Initially, when I came to the KUA, I had a chat with the admin staff. I asked about the terms and conditions for marriage and what are the conditions for marrying Neng. The admin staff explained that we needed to fill out some forms, but there was a problem. Neng wasn't 17 yet and didn't have an ID card. The staff said she was not eligible to marry. Again, the revised marriage law barred 15-year-old Neng from getting married. She would have to wait four more years. A'a would have to wait four more years. Can I still tell the story? A'a's friends told him about a loophole in the revised marriage law. It was called the marriage dispensation. There was another condition that allowed marriage to take place, and that was if the woman was pregnant. So my friend suggested, why don't you take this path? Both families agreed to take advantage of the loophole in the law. I don't feel right about telling this story because I know what I did was wrong. But that's a good intention. I mean, I don't want anything to do with Neng. But I really want to marry her. Just like that. Neng is a good person, and I like her. To get the dispensation, A'a had to provide Neng's pregnancy certificate. If I didn't say that I was pregnant, then the marriage would be called off. I had to say that I was. A'a's family also wanted to speed up the process, so I played along. Yes, I also knew it was wrong. But the fact was, I had already asked her parents' permission to marry Neng. Neng also wanted to marry quickly. So I felt like it was my responsibility. Her mother kept asking about the marriage as well. One of his relatives helped them find a way to marry Neng, referring them to a midwife who would cooperate. At first, the midwife didn't want to give the pregnancy certificate. I don't really know how, but it has something to do with local birth data collection with the government data. 
That's why the midwife suggested that we use existing data. We just had to change the name of the patient to Nengs. And so they obtain a pregnancy certificate. I received so much help. The midwife even didn't want to be paid. She wished me luck instead. I could finally marry Neng and have children with her. And how did 15-year-old Neng understand what was happening around her? What did the adults around her tell her? I discussed this with my mom and dad. I understood that with my age back then, I couldn't get married. So, I went to get some documents. I don't really know what kind of document it was, but it said something positive there. Armed with Neng's falsified pregnancy certificate, her parents apply for a marriage dispensation before the religious court. All that was left to do was to wait for the court to summon them. Here is A'a. I was worried sick about it. What if I got caught? What if they didn't clear the document? What would happen to Neng? I promised to marry her. All these thoughts kept me awake. Thank God, however, after two days, I was summoned and told to come with my future wife for an interview with the court. August 2021, the first day of the marriage dispensation trial. The courtroom was packed. A'a was present, along with his mother and siblings. Neng's parents were also there. But Neng was not. Even though, according to the Supreme Court regulation, the child to be married had to be present at the dispensation hearing. And if the child was absent for three hearings, the judge could reject the application for marriage dispensation. Here is A'a. I explained to the judges that Neng couldn't come because she was sick. At first, they didn't accept the excuse and told me to come back when she felt better. But I begged the judges to give the marriage dispensation because it was getting closer to the wedding date. I told them it was impossible for Neng to come and explained that this was why I was alone at trial. The midwife who helped us also didn't come to court. The judge read me the terms and conditions for marriage dispensation. I was trembling hard. I tried my best to listen to what the judges had to say. The hearing took all of 30 minutes. All it took for religious courts to allow the marriage was the pregnancy certificate, one that the court had no idea had been falsified. The hearing passed so quickly. To A'a, it was as though the judges were just settling traffic offenses. But in reality, the judges were making a decision about the girl's life. The next day, A'a returned to the KUA to register the marriage and book a marriage registration officer to administer their wedding vows. After that, he and Neng went to the nearby mosque where they were wed by the officer. When Neng granted my colleague Dwi the interview, she also took her to the mosque where she was married. Well, this is the mosque. It happened on a Sunday in August, right? Yes, I got married over here. 
After the wedding at the mosque with our close family, we went to Aas home where our extended families joined the celebration. It was a humble one. At 15, Neng had become a wife. I was pretty nervous right at the start. I'm still nervous. My feelings are all mixed up. We were like strangers. I told Aa, please, let's take things slow. Let's start with the small talk first. Early in the morning, if there's laundry, I wash it with my mother. Most afternoons, I'm at home cooking and cleaning. Every day is like that. If Aa is at home, I accompany him. That's it. Every now and then, Neng remembered the sexual assault that happened to her. The incident that changed her life's trajectory and eventually led her here. Sometimes I have nightmares. When I wake up, all the memories come back. I want to make it go away, but how? I wish it was something that can be treated with medication, but it doesn't work like that. Before I go to bed, I pray to God. I don't know whether to call it trauma or not. And at the moment, her dream of becoming a nurse seemed so out of reach. I really wanted to go to school with people who are the same age as me. But it is my fate to be on this path. I wanted to study as much as I could to reach my dreams. But Aa and my mother said that this was the road to take. What else can I do? I just have to be patient. This is the way it should be. And now, Neng was pregnant. When she and Aa had just gotten married, she asked him if they could take things slow. And he might have promised to do so. But he forgot about it quickly enough. Remember, Aa said he had pursued Neng out of his desire to take care of her. But for all his words, he had taken care of his needs first. I missed my period. I told Aa, then told my mother. I tell my mother everything anyway. My mom then told me to get a pregnancy test by using a test kit from the drugstore. I wanted to go to the midwife too. I wanted Aa to come with me because I was scared. She was eight weeks along when they visited the doctor. Here is Aa. She kept on vomiting. The doctor said it was normal because it was the first trimester. They gave her vitamins in different colors. She was allowed to go for a walk but mustn't do the laundry because at the time, Neng was still receiving laundry work from the neighbors. Neng hoped the baby would be a boy. She was afraid that if it were a girl, she wouldn't be able to take care of her. At the time of the interview, Neng was preparing to become a mother by getting parenting tips from Instagram. She also turned to YouTube for inner peace, listening frequently to Muratal, a melodic readings of the Quran. She was going through the pregnancy alone, since Aa 
had a construction job in another island. They could only see each other a few times a year. Aa tells me not to tire myself out, take lots of meals and breaks, until our dream is born. At 15, Neng seems to want to believe that the path she had chosen for herself, or the path that has been chosen for her, is the right one. I hope that Aa and I can last forever, live happily ever after, and have sons and daughters. I hope they can all go to high school and reach their dreams. I hope that the family will be healthy. Just be happy with their choices. Next, on Rasmina, the last victim. So, I thought to myself, it might be better for my daughter to just get married, to find a good husband who has a job. After they get married, my daughter can continue going to school. I don't have to worry knowing that someone is paying for her education. You've been listening to Rasmina, the last victim. I'm your host, Malika. This adaptation was put together by Trisha Aquino, Nina Toralba, Carl Sayan, Mark Casillian, Joe Salcedo, and Carl Joe Javier of Puma Podcast in the Philippines. In Indonesia, for KBR Prime, Nini Yuniati, Wahyu Setiawan, Dwi Rinjani, and Citradia Prastuti worked on the original series Disclose Dipaksa Kawin. This collaboration was made possible by international media support. Subscribe to Rasmina, The Last Victim, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen on kbrprime.id.